0: Welcome to the Mojang Podcast. This is a Bangonomics special edition. Hello, I am not Alan, I am Andrew, but with me, special guest, James Ruppert. Mr. Bangonomics. in fact. Good evening, James. And good evening to you, Andrew. Well, thank you so much for coming on this show. We've we've been trying, as in we have attempted before, but we've been trying to do a Banganomics special edition for quite some time on the show. But technology has thwarted us. So the idea behind uh, this evening is that uh, we have James on here, who is who is, as I said, the the father of bangonomics, the the term of it and what it's all about. So I thought it'd be brilliant to get him on to discuss bangonomics, explain what it is, what it isn't, how it's evolved since he he first coined the phrase and thought it all up, why you might want to do bangonomics. Some sort of examples of Bangonomics shopping, and possibly if we have enough time, if, if we've not gone into the small wee hours by then, what to look out for when Bangonomics shopping. So that's the general idea of what we're trying to do tonight. So, first of all, James, what is Bangonomics?
1: In a way, it's whatever it, whatever it means to you. I mean, the, I think the fundamental point of it is that you can afford the car. If, if you have to borrow money to buy a car, then it isn't bang, Bangonomics you mm-hmm. don't have to save up that much money to go and buy a car it's one thing you know you, you've got to get people to think about it all because obviously it isn't just buying the car there's lots of other things to bear in mind you, you know you've got to service it you've got to make sure it's um safe and sound there's no point there's nothing clever in having an unroadworthy car that's a danger to everyone so what it is it's a it's a legal decent honest car that you can afford Mm-hmm. So, in some ways, I wouldn't even put a budget on it, really. I know that some people think, yeah, it should be 200 quid, and if it's more than that, you're mad. But some people, yeah, it could be five, six, seven thousand pounds because you can get a very, very good car for that. A car that, you know, a few years ago was fifty, sixty thousand pounds. And if you run it in the right way, you can have all the benefits of a really posh smart car for hardly any money at all. And that's mm-hmm. the idea behind. Uh, doing it because I think everybody in their own small way can have fun with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, obviously, when you, you you hear the term "banging on," which you think, oh, it must be must be all done on the cheap, and you must be spending as little as possible. But I know that that's not that's not the case, as you as you just explained there. Because uh, for so many people, particularly the second car of a household, you are looking at three to five grand buying outright. And running it uh, in within the household budget, but so that it's all roadworthy, and you're 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 doing it in such a way that it all the costs are manageable.
1: That's right, absolutely. That's what it must be. The whole you know the whole time it, it pays to find a good local you know uh, garage who can help you. If you're very handy with a spanner, that's great. That's going to save you an awful lot of money. But uh, the key is, yeah, just. And it's it's things like insurance in that if we just accept the first quote we get, you know, you're never going to get the you know the greatest deal. So, Bang is also, yeah, let's let's do let's be really boring and spend hours trying to find the best insurance deal. Because you'll be surprised at how much you can save. You know, It, you know, it can amount to hundreds still in this day, day and age because insurance companies just expect you to renew. So they never do what an insurance company expects you to do. So that's all part of it. And it is maybe sourcing parts, um, you know, uh, going online or going to a scrapyard and finding parts rather than just Seeing what the manufacturer charges for them and taking a big gulp and thinking, yeah, I'll pay that because um, lots of used parts um, are just as good as brand new
0: ones. Mm. Yeah, but it, it, if you can find a, a pet garage that you can trust, yeah. that takes a, a lot of the stress out. Particularly if you're like me, who is, I think the kindest way I can put it, is inept with spanners. Yeah. And if you can find some people that you trust and that you you know is going to do. A good job at a reasonable price that takes a lot of the stress out of it because it is it, it can be that can be one of the hardest parts of car ownership particularly if, if down the second-hand route is is having keeping it maintained in an affordable manner
1: that's right I mean you've got to ask as many friends and family about who, who they use and get recommendations if you don't know anybody now that's the best way to find it because, as you say, that's the most important thing because what you want is a garage to do is actually to come back to you and say, well, well, we can do it this or we can do that. If a garage starts out, they're great. If they just you know, repair a car and it's done and it's 300 quid that you never thought you had to spend, that's really bad. They should be mm. able to talk to you about it and say, well, look, we can do it this way, we can do it that way, and we can take it to bits and we mm. can't take it to bits or we can get a part here. A garage who talks to you about it and seems genuinely interested rather than just being a fitter. Is exactly what, what you actually need, and I'm very lucky. I've got basically a, I've got an ex Citroen dealer down the gap. Down the road, so they have come across every problem there has ever been. Uh, <laughs> they were they a dealer in the in the eighties and into the nineties, and but actually they they run a fleet of zx's as their loan cars. So how cool is that? There's, there's oh wow! Four
0: of them. Yeah, yeah. want to go and use them just for the four. just for the loan car. Yeah, that's right. So I'm sure some
1: some <laughs> cases would go there just for that. Um, but yeah, it just means that they know how to look after our older cars so they're the absolutely perfect people for me but i had long discussions with them about things and that's great they are they are car enthusiasts and that's so difficult to find because if you go into some uh faster fit places that we all know um they're not only enthusiasts they do you know they're doing their job and they're going to clock off and go home quite right too but if you find a garage that cares about cars that's that's half the job done as you rightly say
0: going back in the midst of time when did you think up coin the phrase bang yeah That's right. Yeah, because because people have been doing this forever and they probably did it with
1: chariots and all sorts many years ago. And <laughs> who knows what, you know, and penny farthings, you know, making them keep going. Um yeah, part of it was my dad who used to work with somebody who um would habitually buy at the time they were full pops and then you could buy them for about a fiver. And he said he would run it into he said he wouldn't even put oil in it. So he wouldn't he would he wouldn't look at anything. He would have a zero um, approach you know the um, bonnet was a sealed unit God the ultimate
0: consumer item then Yeah, I, I want to use it till it's broken then I will go get another that's right and he would leave
1: it but he would very irresponsibly by today's standards leave it by the side of the road and wander off because you could do that and we're talking in the 1940s and 50s and that's what he would do it I and mean, the incredible thing was you'd think well the would a car every other week but he didn't he had cars for like a year or more and he just he sort of couldn't quite believe it and you haven't checked anything no, you know and my dad was part of the generation that would sort of decoke a car at a weekend because that's what you did because karma kind of told you to do that so i i had that in the background also a very famous car that my family owned which was a sort of huge people carry it was a 1930s humber super snipe that they bought after the war for like a fiver it was like 15 quid i think And um, my dad and my uh, uncle uh, uh, Charles, Uncle Ted, all my uncles sort of shared it together. And so it was a huge, huge car that you could get all the family in. And they just went all over the country in it. But again, it was an unstressed 1930s car. How they got hold of the petrol, that's that's one of the mysteries of life. I don't know. I think my uncle Charles is very good at finding that sort of stuff. And yeah, (laughs) and so again, they bought a car really cheaply. And used it for years until obviously it fell apart, and there were bits left of it uh, in our shed. There was like a you know a headlamp, there was a, you know, a Humber sign and stuff like that. So there was, so that was part of it for me. I thought, wow, yeah, that was yeah, that's the way to run a car, and so yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, the old term for old cars years ago was was bangers. It's maybe not as much now. That probably shows my age that people call these bangers. Um, it means something completely different to young people now. Um, and people have other words for old cars. But bangers was good. And I thought, well, if you're running it, it's economics, it's banganomics. And it's sort of strange that no BS had thought of that before, but it hasn't made me any money in my life, so um, uh, it's just brought me notoriety and lots of problems. So, uh, uh, but I it was uh, Steve Crockley's uh, magazine which called Buying Cars. I wrote an article there. You know, I bought a car for 80 quid, which was an FSO Polonaise uh, FSO uh, Pol- Polski Fiat, as it was, and um, that was for. Uh, an experimental purposes and it was quite good fun so it, it was old-fashioned in uh, to the extent that it, it was where I wrote uh, probably about two and a half thousand words on it and I first used the phrase in there and it just seemed seem, seem to stick and I'd also spent some time Uh, In India, which is a remarkable place, if you're going to repair stuff, because that's what Mm. they do it by the side of the road. They do it with you know, you know, a hammer by the side of the road to keep keep cars going, and it's you know, it's it's incredible really um, how they always manage to keep things going. So Mm. what they were practicing was bangonomics, and that also ties into Charles uh, Ware's Morris Minor Centre, you've ever come, come across that, he talked about sustainable motoring uh, in the mm-hmm. 70s and he basically said, yeah, the only car you need to buy is a Morris Minor, 1,000 because you can get all the parts for it uh, and actually he went into making parts um, and he did it in a sustainable way and he did it in a sort of fair trade way. He actually had parts made well, I still believe it's still done in Sri Lanka which isn't Sri Lanka anymore, is it? But, um, you know, so, so he, he could see the you know the cost of running a brand new car was so high, why on earth are you doing that when you can buy a Morris Minor and just run it as a very cost-effective car. So that, that again, was another fantastic example to me. And I was very lucky to meet him uh, a few years before he died and he was a very nice chap and he established a big business on the back of that. And it's it's strange to me in a way why more people hadn't done that, um, you know, set up organisations. In, in a way, I think that's what we have with the local garage. If you support a local garage and they're good, what that's what you're doing you know you're supporting them and they're supporting you and you're recycling parts and recycling cars Mm. Um, but those are all the that's the perfect sort of things uh really i think the problem years ago is that old cars were rubbish and that's that has to be stressed (laughs) well i mean we're both on on that twitter face thing and you know you get younger people sort of going and they get into you know They're going about how fantastic Marinas are and Allegros are, and you go, no, they're not. They were awful, awful, awful cars, and that's you know why people switched to Japanese and went to all sorts of other things. But but most of the cars from that era didn't last very long. You know, they would last, you know, if if you were lucky, rust got them, uh, but certainly mechanics. Bad, bad, bad mechanics, get them. So if you got 10 years out of a car in the 70s or 80s, you were doing extremely well because they were rubbish. Um, but then we got better built cars, better built cars from Europe, better built cars from Japan, um, and that made things better. And certainly when you got in, into the 90s, it was easier to say to people, you know, consider an older car, but they were getting
0: better made and they would last longer. What do you think is the... This is a bit of a left-field question, probably. But what do you think is uh, a peak bangonomic age for a car now? Yeah, it's very difficult. Because um, I know it, it, the price-wise is not the critical thing, but... No, that's right. T- typically.
1: That's right. We're getting into a problem now where uh, cars are too complex. Mm. It's like if you speak to mechanics, you know, the last of the fixable BMW 5 Series is the E39, uh, which may bore people who don't care about car code numbers. But... Um they're the last sort of cars where you really don't need a big computer to do it. And that uh just seems to be the tipping point where you get, I would say, ooh, probably uh before two ten now, you know, if you get um, Beyond sort of 210, they're getting very, very complicated and even, you know, very simple things like Renaults. You know, you're taking uh, wings off to change light bulbs and stuff like that, and it's it's getting a bit silly. Um, so yeah. you've, got to, you've got to choose your cars very carefully. Um, it does seem to be that most of the 90s cars, some of the 80s cars, uh, and that little period sort of up to, up to 2010 um, is probably a good place to still go shopping. But again, uh-huh. it depends on your garage. You've got a good garage and they can probably plug in the stuff that needs to be plugged in and will help you out. But that's the thing that seems to kill most cars these, these days. It's the uh, ECU not working anymore. Um, yeah, and they're not cheap. No, no. If not. you can get them. <laughs> if you can get them, that's right. So, so, so that's the very scary thing, is that a car can look fa- in fantastic condition. Uh, but there there are problems lurking inside it, modern problems that will that will kill it. Whereas if you've got a car that's very old, um, like a Morris Minor, that'll keep going forever.
0: Yes, it's you bring out the larger of your two lump hammers and exactly. yeah. give it a smack.
1: Yeah, so it brings, <laughs> Sorry, persuaders. Yeah, exactly. So it brings us to uh, um classic classic the bang bangonomics really. I think that's what some people are moving, moving towards, um, you know, doing mathematics or practical classics. And it's pretty much doing, doing that, running a car as a daily driver that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. It won't have all the safety features that modern car has, but I have fairly controversial views that if you drive an older car, I think you drive a lot more defensively. Um, I think you're far more aware of your surroundings, you're far more aware of stopping distances and what your car can do. Whereas if somebody's just sitting there in their brand new car that, they think, well, if I'm not, so it doesn't matter. I just think older older people who care about their cars actually know their limitations and uh, drive more safely and carefully uh, as a result.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably, it, it's all wrapped up in if you're prepared to do something like that, then the chances are that you're not somebody who lives on the rev limiter with the back end cocking up around every corner and ignoring the external conditions and you can see beyond the end of your bonnet i think that probably all ties in with that that, that type of person
1: that's right yeah i mean i also think it's the uh, 40 year cut off with the mot um which i don't think anybody in their right minds can understand why that has ever been done um i sort of suspect that there's a uh, Him agenda whereas in a few years they'll go well those cars aren't legal anymore and uh, so you can put them in a museum or take to a track so um, that's that's why they won't be allowed mm. on the roads anymore or there'll be an accident they'll point someone not having their car looked after but I, I, all the people I know with older cars will always have an MOT done. there's no excuse for not doing it uh, yeah. And I just think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a big abrogation of responsibility to allow this to happen. It, 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 it seems dark to me. As you say, the people who make the commitment to those cars are going to look after it.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah. Again, I think it. If a car, an older car, has an MOT when it doesn't legally isn't legally required to have one, again, adds that extra layer of comfort to anyone possibly looking to purchase the car. Yeah. Um, because you think well they've taken the time to look after this. You know, I I can see an MOT history, even though, you know, this was the date where they didn't need to do it from, but they still kept doing it because they wanted peace of mind. So, you know, it it is all tied into that responsible, the responsible nature of it all. Why would someone think or consider going down the bangonomics route i think it's
1: really if people stopped and thought about how much money they actually spent on a car um because as you say especially when it gets to a second car um because people do need cars these days because um there aren't bus services and train services i live in the middle of nowhere if you don't have a car that's it you know you 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 don't have a job you don't have a social life and
0: that well you you it's creating transport poverty yeah absolutely yeah and there is a there is particularly in the countryside there is a sorry we're not going to try and fix society here but there is a there is a section of the of society that that can't get jobs or struggles because they can't drive or don't have a car and and public transport services are not great and typically if there's no public transport it's not many places that are out in the sticks have taxi services either. It's not like they can hail an Uber either. Yeah. Uh, it's all built around the metropolises. So it, by not not having a car, and these people are trapped, and they're trapped with isolation. They're, they're trapped uh, economically, and it keeps them down because they can't go out and get a job. Uh, and, it, and as you say there as well, there's, there's sort of loneliness as well because they're not able to get out and... Do stuff, meet people, meet friends, things like that. It is it, this is one of the things that I think is is happening that people just don't appreciate, particularly when it comes to uh, people screaming about air quality. Which, again, I will reiterate to anyone who's heard me before: yes, we should have clean air, yeah. but how we implement the changes or legislation to help that come around needs to be carefully thought out because there isn't a one-size-fits-all and taxing people is not the way to do it. Well,
1: no, I don't know if you've seen something in the last few days. There's The government in Ireland are aiming to uh, ban private car ownership. They want to do it in the next 10 years. Oh, right. Um, in 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 a rural country like that, it seems... Um, almost insane to even want to do that. But obviously, they want to cut their carbon to zero, and that's one way they, they're going to do it. They want people to move, obviously, everybody into towns, nobody lives in the country, and nobody has cars. And I don't know, this sounds like a, like a mad scheme. Right? And I thought, well, I better check up this is real. And it, and it is actually a policy. <laughs> It is actually promising. So, you know, I mean, I have many good friends who live in Ireland, and I just think, you know, it's difficult enough owning a car there. You're taxed very heavily at home, especially an older car out there. Um, and this just seems like a, a step too far, uh, because for all of the reasons that you mentioned, it's that um, there's a lot of people it's effectively excluded from society. Um, and I'm always amused by uh, all the surveys that come out like, nobody's learning to drive. and you know, no one needs a car anymore and you know that they all live in London there are PR companies in London doing this they don't live out here they don't live in the real world with the majority
0: of people yeah they, they've asked they've asked one tower block mm. yeah it's got great public service or or sufficient public service is not great but sufficient public services for people to not think oh there's an alternative way yeah and it's so I mean if I lived in London I wouldn't have a car no. that is just a place that's so difficult to get around through in out of that it's no, no thanks. Well, and I love cars and I love driving. And I prefer to drive if I can, but that that's a place no, forget it.
1: Well that's why right. we well, see I'm so immensely old is that I used to work in London and have to drive into London. That was part of the deal was the sold cars and the cars I held I had to drive into London. So it was always a thing that um, if you didn't get over the bow fly over by 7 15 in the morning, you were stuffed. So you so you had to, even then, you know, that's we're going back, you know, well over 30 years ago. You still had to get up early and, and get in to beat the rush. Um, but now London is utterly unlivable and drivable if you have a car because you just sit in a traffic jam and I avoid it completely. I don't go there for meetings and I'm very lucky now. If somebody says come to London, I go, no because I'm just not going to go. <laughs> Even though I've got a, I've got a fantastic secret place I, I can park for free all, all, all day because I know where I'm going. But if I do I do that, I'll get on the tube, I'll go in, I'll do whatever I have to do, get back in the car and go home as fast as possible because mm-hmm. there's no joy whatsoever in London. And again, the remarkable thing about walking around London now is all you do is spot Uber, 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 lorry, 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 bus, bus, <laughs> bus, taxi. And there are, you know, there's there's not... Families on days out, just cruising around no. some Street, looking at things. It's all commercial traffic anyway, but it it is a it is a huge mess. And in a way, it's a object lesson into not how not to run a big city um, when it comes to transport. It's just, it just it seems like a complete mess, apart from yeah. the background. But that's really really flawed these these days. And it, it's sad to say it, because I was born in London, I come from London, but I'm never going back there. <laughs> For, for for those reasons, it's so car unfriendly. And again, I don't think this is what certainly councils realise. If you prevent cars parking in places or doing things in certain areas, then people will, they won't go anymore. They just mm. they'll think I'll shop somewhere else. So, you know, if you put all these restrictions in. Well, then I just won't bother
0: going anymore. Well, that's it. We've we've had in our town there was one car park that was free to park in, and it it only held say 30 cars. It was something like that. It was a really small one and it was next to a, a private car park and then it was then there were other council-run other council run car parks that you paid, what, ATP or whatever it was, yeah. for a couple of hours. And the free car park was always full. Always full. Yeah. And then they introduced and said, right, we're changing it all. It's a pound now, all the council car parks in the town. Okay. All right. You do that. And that car park is... At most got half a dozen cars in it now. Yeah. So where are all those people uh, are not going into town now. Yeah. Or they may be using one of the other commercial car parks that you have to go into a shop to get a, yeah. Get your money back on the yeah. ticket. But a large proportion of those people will now not be shopping in, in the town. And as you say, that just causes a knock-on effect. We've got more and more empty shops.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And it... it you know people going well we must pre- preserve our, our town centres and mm. well yeah but you've got to do it in a joined up way you've got to, think, right. got to think about it uh, sorry we've gone yes. way off topic here we're trying to we're trying to cure society here I mean this is this is possibly the core of bangonomics is to fix fix society this, here's another one to there's a new book for you to write <laughs>
1: well it's an indication of how boring we are is that we've reached that age in life where we where we
0: talk about parking it, 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 I well I can't walk far anymore I'm broken I'm a broken man yeah, right? that's it. <laughs> so uh it's all a bit of a worry room. <laughs> going back to the question before i took us off topic yeah that's So it. why why do bangonomics? so we've got that people need to get around particularly countryside people with not as much money so that's a, a way to why a reason why you'll be doing it
1: yeah.
0: second cars is also sounds like a classic bangonomic area sure do you see people doing it for say their kids first car and that sort of thing? Have you heard that? Yeah, well, children, it depends, you see, because
1: my daughter has grown up and what you find is, is that it would be great if you bought a Saab 900, you thought, what a safe car to buy for them because if they bounce into anything, everything else would bounce off it. But if you try to insure um, a car, this is, I mean, the whole fundamental thing of young people cars, it's all about insurance So it's a very subtle game that you have to play. Um, so you actually can't, you really can't do bang as such. Mm-hmm. Um, Renault's proved quite popular out this way. You get Renault clears. Renault clear is very safe. Uh, lots of airbags and stuff like that. Relatively cheap. Um, and relatively uh, you know, cheap to run if you, if you have a diesel. But there's all sorts of subtle things. And I um, have talked about this before in, in that, um yeah, when you're buying a car for your teenager who's learning to drive, uh, it's not straightforward, and certainly insurance companies, if you bought something for a couple hundred quid, aren't terribly keen. So if it hasn't got safety devices on it, they, they obviously know that they've got their tick boxes. So you, you've got to buy a more recent car, and there are funny little things. It's it, again, it's when you're doing insurance for yourself, you've got to change the parameters the whole time to see what what works and what doesn't. So I remember we were looking at a 1.2. You think 1.2? Well, that's a tiny, tiny car, tiny mm. engine. And then you found, well, actually, a one point four was cheaper to endure. And then don't don't buy DC. Uh, the petrol was cheaper too. So it, it was all these things, and actually, all the things that you think should make it more expensive, uh, we ended up buying uh, a VW Polo Match. So that's quite a good spec. You've got alloy wheels on it, you've got um, air conditioning, and those are all, again, all the things that you're told don't buy high spec car because that'd be more. But it wasn't. So when you compared it, to, yeah, so when you compared it to other cars, it was actually cheaper. So it's a, uh, I mean, those cars are sort of. I suppose if you're thinking about seven, eight years old, for some people they are fairly old, but small cost-effective cars you know, depreciate far, far slower. So you, if you're going to buy your team driver a decent car, it's still going to be two, £3,000 if, if you want a decent one that's going to break down every, every five minutes. But as I say, there's ways you can get around it. As I say, Renault, Renault, uh, Clios were a, a, a sort of a popular thing. Fiat Puntos was another one as well. But the VW Polo we had was spectacular, and it, it, mm. it was just very good. But again, there's almost no no hard and fast rule about it. Um, you you just got to play around uh, with almost algorithms of uh, perfect cars because um, the insurance changes from from model model to model the whole time.
0: So it's it sounds like with Bangonomics that you get the most bang for your bucks, <laughs> pun intended. But you get the most bang for your bucks really? the more time you can take to to look at your options and weigh up the pros and cons of each of the the, the possibles that you're yeah. considering and then looking at all the aspects of car ownership and how that impacts on there and you then select from those those various options of the fuel cost the you know because that's what you know people traditionally oh does it cost me loads to fill up yeah does it get me remotely decent mpg is it costly on the tax uh, sorry ved uh is it is it, uh, is it costly on the insurance that's all those sort of things but you but it's then looking a, a layer below that for right i've i'm looking at this spec does as you've just explained there with the polo does this how does this affect the insurance Oh actually, that now takes it out the realm of my possibilities or my comfort zone, so now we need to slot in another one and it's it seems with all things where you you where people say "Ah oh, but you can save money by doing x y and z yes if you can if you take the time and consider it and think about it, then you will but yeah. if you rush into something or just go to anonymous central website that does price checking for you because they're just gonna be picking averages then that's where it it won't be as good for you. It's like going to a supermarket. If you buy all your shopping at a supermarket, well, it's convenient because it's one place, but you don't necessarily win on the old prices. No,
1: that's right. Well, I mean, once upon a time, there used to be a thing that they they do still exist that were called uh, insurance brokers. And you actually spoke to a person on a phone and they looked around for the best deal for you. In a way, they were like a comparison site, but actually they were a lot better than that because they knew they knew you and actually that mm. sorted out of like the best. So you, you can still certainly with some classic insurances, effectively. That's what happens. But, but actually, again, it's, it's, you've got to be really boring. You've just got to go through this stuff again and again. And when you think you've found the answer, then you've got to start again. Almost, because mm. everything changes from a day-to-day basis basis and it's not worth telling fibs, it's not worth fronting and saying you're driving the car the whole time and actually putting parents on it, especially when they pass their test doesn't help, it actually makes it worse so even though your name goes on it, it doesn't make it cheaper, so all these little things um, which make a big difference um, to how you buy a car for, for, for a team so a team doesn't doesn't get uh, a banger effectively because it just isn't worth doing. Um, it will end up costing you far more. It's um, yeah. something you can educate them into thinking about in the future. But again, as is what you're 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 still not buying uh, a banger in the old-fashioned sense of the word. It's still going to be a far better car than a ten-year-old car was twenty or thirty years ago.
0: Yeah, it'll start um, when you turn the key and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> well, more often than not anyway
1: and the easy thing obviously that people go for these days are the PC, the, the PCP and you can understand why why people do that you know because mm. it's, it's an easy life yeah. but it, it does get you into a cycle of slight despair and you will always have to spend this money after a certain period and if you look at the figures and again if you look at how much you're actually paying it's a hell of a lot of money mm. I've reached recently written a, uh, an article quite a, a large one for a well known motion magazine where basically yeah, taking you know what the cost of a pcp is and just just the deposit on what you pay and just say well actually you could buy this 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 and this and this and this and you know there's some spectacular cars so although you know you're you know you're you're, you're buying a brand new car that's not going to cause you any bother there's some fantastically exciting things that you could buy for just the deposit never mind about anything else in the Final guarantee payment if you decide to pay it and all that nonsense and the monthly payments and all sorts. So again, I think it's something people should think about because too many people will buy a car like that to go to the station each day. There is no point in buying yeah. a short commuter car that's brand new. It might you know it impresses the neighbours, but really you're going to run it into the ground. So you know you could buy just buy anything that's um, just about going to do that job for you. And then if you really enjoy cars like we do, we would probably buy something for, for, for the weekend. So you, you buy your MX5, you buy some exciting car and you save up for something. I mean, again, the importance of bangalomics is that if you think, I'd like a 911, this Bayronomics will help you achieve that because you're going to put money aside or if you want to go on a holiday, you know, a good holiday tune, you, you're putting money aside by not spending you know, ferocious amounts of money on a brand new car every three years. So yeah. again, it, it's just saying to people: just think about your spending. Don't go for
0: the easy option. Appreciate what 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 it goes what goes into having a brand new car and yeah. the the, the costs associated because it's not just the it is not just having the car on the drive at the end of the day. There are many costs that get added to the monthly. Yeah. That that, that people don't appreciate because they just go, "Oh, I'll look at the monthlies." Because that's what they've been taught. That's what they've been helped into. Yes. Some examples of bangonomics shopping then. So you've obviously had people get back in touch with you. Um, what's And you do it yourself. What sort of, could you give some examples to, to listeners of Banganomics, particularly if there's any there that they might not considered to be bangonomic
1: well it is, it is it's like right. you can never go wrong with a golf it's like one of those things so like you said to people yeah go and buy yourself a bw golf really if it's in good nick you're not going to go wrong you know it's one that has got service history it's all clean and tidy it's got a fresh mot with no advisories on it you know, you know you're probably not going to have a problem with that at all uh, you'll pay slightly more because it, because it is a BMW Golf. So in that case, will you buy a Ford Focus or you buy a Toyota Paris or something like that? So it, it's if you just go for the that that sort of middle market car, you really cannot go far wrong. Uh, it's just interesting when I have readers write to me and they say, oh, look, this is what I bought and it's a uh, it is a very nice 5 series. Certainly minis are becoming, Although uh, minis can cause all sorts of problems. The, the earlier minis, which I think is probably the prettier one, um, there's a lot of people buying those now because they are, you can get Cooper S for, you know, 2000 or less. Um, and provided it's in good condition, and provided it hasn't been, you know, bashed about, the last person looked after it, those are looking like spectacular little cards. And they will probably go up in value as well if you look after it. In a few years' time, someone's going to say, Well, all, all the good ones have gone, you've got a good one, and yeah, and so that will start the cycle again of minis being worth millions of pounds for some reason. But <laughs> um, that's what people show me, but also, you know, I get people show me something like a, a Volkswagen Bora, you know, which is the worst car name ever given to a car, and um, probably the most appropriate as well, isn't it? Because again, it, it's a it, it's a golf with it. With, you know, a, a boot, and yeah, I think I saw one the other day who bought one, and it was like eight hundred pounds. And you looked at him; it was stunning. You know, it, mm. it was you know he, he obviously cleaned it up, and things always look better in pictures. But this just looked unbelievable. And it was uh it was a diesel, and I think he'd done two hundred thousand miles in it. You know, he bought it at hundred thousand miles, you know, and it was you know he just he just did did the work. It just you know got in there, and he does a good mileage with it. And that's what I find the whole time. People buy far better cars than I ever can because they just, they just seem to find these cars, and you, you just get so jealous. You just think, wow, you bought that for that. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: I will adjust my search parameters on eBay and auto trade. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, <and> Gumtree. <laughs> Well, that's right. It is
1: very dangerous. You see the problem today is it's, it's very easy to buy a car and it's very easy to buy a car without seeing it. And that is probably the big problem that we have today. So people will look at a car and think, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that because uh, it looks good in the pictures and they'll they'll do the, you know, we're lucky we can do things like MOT uh, checks effectively and the history online. That's That's a fantastic resource now because it will tell you so much truth whereas you know, the seller won't tell you these things or what it's failed on over the years so that's great but again I, I still want people to go and actually have a, have a look at the cars there's so many things you can learn about a car when you actually see it and actually meet the owner and you know, see the environment it's been kept in and uh, you can make a decision very quickly no I'm not having this whereas online it just seems sort of too easy to too
0: easy to do well that that leads us nicely into the uh, the other segment I want to do and, and what's what is to look out for when you're doing bangonomic shopping let's just pretend that I'm completely inept and I'm, I, I'm I'm very useless when it comes to selecting cars now I know that's going to be a big stretch for me not at all so <laughs> if I'm going up to a, a car that I've I've found somehow and I'm going to go and look for it what are the sort of things you would recommend that somebody looks out for.
1: Well what I do like, I always like family-owned cars. I just adore those because there's usually a you know a ton of history with it. You know, they don't have to have owned it for brand new, but certainly if they've had it for you know four, four or five years and there's lots of history and it's all family. It's usually a pretty good car. You know, I find most people and also if you speak to most people, you ask them difficult questions like has this been in a crash? I'll tell you what most people will tell you they will tell you what's wrong with a car. It's very, very strange. and you know, People don't very evasive. Right? So you know, there may be a problem. But if you, again, if you're face-to-face with somebody and you ask them a direct question, they will answer nine times out of ten years. they say, well, yeah, I did have that problem a few years ago with this or that or the other. But that, that is why it's so important to talk to people. I'm a tremendous car snob. So if I go down a crunchy driveway, I know that this is it. I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've got a great car, potentially. Because they look as though they can afford to look after the car, so it, mm-hmm. it, it pays to be a complete snob and judge a book, book by if its cover. because If somebody looks as though they can't afford to look after the car that you want to buy, you know, if it's a prestige mark, you know, and you're on it, if you're in a, a fairly dodgy area, a less than sedulous area. It's not a good sign. Um, mm. You know, that sounds awful, but actually that served me extremely well over the years because you do find, yeah, if a car isn't looked after very well by someone who do not like the look of and wouldn't invite round to tea. You know, I I find that's a really good judge, but you know, that's the great thing about, about buying an enthusiast car because enthusiasts will you everything about the car and there's nothing better than finding somebody who's really passionate about the car they're selling. It doesn't happen very often because for most people, it's just a, a consumer goods that they're selling and it's a real pain because they were offered hardy in part exchange at the dealer so they want to get rid of it and so they care less. But again, you will come across and these are the perfect people to find who really do have all the bills, um, you know, filed away, know everything about the car. And happy to tell you about it, and probably have some spare parts to give you. I and mean, really, those—that's the—that's the car you want to buy. Um, but it, it is for me the fundamental thing is actually go and look at the car. You can do so much these days without seeing the car, but finally, don't ever, you know, don't be panicked and thinking, oh, I missed the car, I missed the car. You, you can't do that. You've got to say, yeah, well, I'm going to come and see you on Saturday. And if they sold the car from under you, what can you do? There's nothing you can do about that but you've got to see the car in the in the metal mm-hmm. and i did that this year actually i went to bologna to buy a car and it was so tempting because i just think what a, what a hassle it is to uh, go to a foreign country and buy a car and then you look and but really you've still got to say yeah i'm, I'm coming um, and there was all sorts of things that could go wrong wrong with that but again that's the problem with the, the internet it makes things uh, on a screen look fantastic but you've still got to make the effort. you have still got to book the Ryanair flights go wherever you need to go to go and have a look at it. So I was pleased I did that. And it's been, a, you know, it's been, it's been fun and games afterwards. But yes, if I had just bought it blind, I don't know. I think I would have been a bit, you know, dis- disappointed with it all. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked out. And it wouldn't have been as much fun either. So, what's your fleet at the moment? Well, yeah, I've got, uh, well, uh, um, I suppose in, in size order, several of them are broken. But um, uh, I've got, uh, the, the smallest edges, I've got, I'm very lucky, I bought a, uh, an Innocenti Mini, which is now uh, mot from 1977. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a Mini, but it's an Italian one. And it doesn't look like a Mini, it looks like a Fiat, um, because it's got a body by uh, Tony on the top, so, but underneath it's a Mini 1000. Uh, and that's a huge amount of fun. But that now seems to have um, a water leak of some description um, near the water pump, so we're we'll going to have to look at that. The weekend, I'm very lucky on Mini Cooper, which is what I'm celebrating 40 years together with my Mini Cooper this year. I've actually got a wedding anniversary, but I've actually had the Mini far, far longer than I've had Mrs Rufford. <laughs> and so that is uh, an immense amount of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've sort of doubled up really on tiny, small, interesting cars. That's broken because the suspension is broken, but it actually still works, so it's okay. I still drive it, it's just got ld type suspension it's just rock hard just parts on it parts are so badly made they just break but it's, it's still fine to drive but i will sort that out and then going larger up i've got the baby shark that, that you know of which is uh bmw 320 it's the first uh of the uh, bmw three series cars that's also broken favorite 80 on its horn it's got a few other things that we doing. and actually i only to my a disgrace! I hadn't checked on, up on the age of the tyres. These tyres are fantastic; they're like Michelin tyres, so they're the best kind of tyres you can get. And I looked at the code, and I just I thought that's 16 years old. <laughs> I've got 16 year old tyres. They're actually really good, but I just thought I don't think uh, I should have 16 year old tyres anymore. So uh, I'm going to change all of those, which is a very yeah, a very good thing for me to do and then I've got a Land Rover which is, um, always seems to be leaking and it's still it's leaking brake fluid you know, for some reason which isn't very good but it works extremely well and uh, beyond that uh, my daughter has quite a modern Golf um, that we bought about a year ago which is really good it proves to me how fantastic modern cars are actually it's a 2015 Golf Bluetech and it will do you know it, it's a petrol well, it will do 60 miles to the gallon. you just think wow you know, so that's you know, yeah. that's quite incredible. It's nice to see a brand new car. And then I suppose so. What I'm i effectively doing? I'm doing classic hangaromics. I think with my old cars. They're all cars that I keep. They're all cars that appreciate in value, and they're all cars I enjoy driving. And I do drive long distances um, from 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 time to time. I, you know, that that's the car I use when I want to go somewhere. So I want to go three hundred miles. I will get into one of those cars. Hmm. And um, the other car, which uh, my wife runs, which is a Porsche Cayenne and that was a very cheap 4x4 four four, effectively and that's turned out to be a really really good car so apart from that it sort of drinks fuel like it's going of fashion it's, you know, it's a complete drunkard when it comes to 4star it just takes tons of it but it's again but it was bought relatively really cheaply very very really cheaply for, you know, for a Porsche and uh, my wife loves it and that's the main thing um, but to drive it it's, it's fantastic but that is it is proof again to people that yeah, for not a lot of money you can get an amazing amount of car. And it is and you know, there's all sorts of wrong things wrong with four four before and SUVs these days. Um but actually that's that's really good. And I actually think it looks pretty now. I call it the flying pig. But I look at that now and I look at some modern sort of 4 before SUV things and I thought actually that's not half bad because it does look like a 996 911 that's slightly raised up and it's got some extra doors in the back so to me that's a win
0: yeah, yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's, well, it doesn't have a grill that looks like it'll swallow small children that no, some that's right. have at the moment
1: yeah that's right so that, that in a way is well, I'm doing posh bangonomics uh, there so uh, <laughs> I bought a relatively expensive car which if you buy parts for it is not cheap to do it's not cheap to run but in another way, it's a fantastically exciting car to have. I wouldn't have a Porsche for any other reason because it, I just think oh, well, I wouldn't want to spend all of that money. But for this, it, it was a few thousand pounds effectively. Um, and it seems to run extremely well. And uh, yeah, it's all safe and legal. And as I say, Mrs. Ruppert likes it. And that's the main reason yes. that we have it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so there's a fairly eclectic bunch. I, I run mainly old cars because. Uh, I'm old and miserable now, and uh, I just think, uh, you know, modern. but but what, but, what it, but what it's taught me, it's a bit like the BMW. It's, it's actually, I mean, it's nearly 40 years old next year. But actually, when I do a long journey, it's fine. You know, the, the fact that you have to wind the windows down it doesn't make any difference to me. And it's actually very smooth. It's The suspension is very compliant. The wheels are relatively small and balloony. And the ride is is brilliant, and um, the steering it isn't power steering, but it's it's very sharp. And you know, maybe maybe I am just just a dinosaur. I was called a dinosaur on a BBC local radio program. I'm not I'm not invited onto local radio very much these days. Uh, but this bloke, I think he, he thought he was going to insult me, and I said, no, yeah, that's right, I am a dinosaur, I, and I'm quite happy being a dinosaur. I've sort of found. You know a type of car and cars that I like, and that's what I drive. Mm. I don't have to drive anything more modern than what I've got. And the fact that they will be, you know, most of them are now tax free is a bonus to me. Yeah, just you yeah. Know, I do like the idea of that. That's it. again, it, it's classic car, bangonomics or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm very lucky. I've got lots of cars. I've got far, obviously far too many cars, uh, but I can
0: just that's not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> I refuse to accept that that's a thing. You can, you can never. <laughs> Far too many to drive at once. That's that's the only thing you can say.
1: I do I do do them in a very strict rotation. I don't you know I don't leave cars to fester for weeks. You know I you know I, it's it's days between cars, and I will use them for specific jobs. And um, yeah, I will always make sure that I use them because that's the that's the way that cars don't work. Is if you leave them to one side, and they're mm-hmm. expensive and fall apart and rust apart and don't work. So it's important to give them as much exercise as possible.
0: You've got a a book out at the minute, uh, which for everyone listening, I am waving in front of the camera, (laughs) so that's helping you all immensely, called The Banganomics Diet. Now, why have you written this?
1: I I sort of did it. I I quite like the idea of of writing a diet book. I'd like to think that probably 25 percent so of the people who buy it would think oh this is the this is the the answer to my problem so i you know i'm overweight so if i buy them because people will buy anything with diet on the front
0: so it's a lesson in consumerism for some people yeah i think
1: it was alan alan C- Corrin, the uh, famous humorist he once called i think he had it he was called the cricklewood diet and he did it specifically because he just thought people would buy it because they just think, oh you know it's a diet book so mm. I, I found that I mean, it amuses me, so it amuses me. So one person is amused, but it's re- it was really to restate the principles behind it because you very uh, kindly mentioned, you know, is this bang isn't, isn't that? Because you get so many people ask you uh, about it. You know, is my car bang And it, you know, it's not for me. It's not for me to answer the question. It Really, is the most fundamental answer is can you afford to run it? Do you like it? Is it cost effective for you to run? And if it is, it answers all those questions. You're doing bang Um, and I just wanted to restate that yes, you can. A classic car, I believe, is bang bangonomics. You're doing the most environmentally thing you can ever do, which is recycle a car. You know, you're keeping it going for posterity, and you know, you're keeping it away from uh, ever being you know sent sent to a scrapyard you're you're doing a very good thing indeed by running a much older car um and also with regard to a thing like a Porsche Cayenne which obviously is at that it's at that point in its life where people don't want to mark one one anymore because it's going to cause them all sorts of uh, trouble so they're relatively cheap so you can nip in there and buy one and have fun with it and so that that's what I'm doing with that so that's 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 like luxury bangonomics so it's a way of just restating the point so for people who practice bangonomics this book is of no use to them whatsoever you know they can you know, use it. If, if it if they've got a wobbly table it might just help you know, <laughs> wobbly anymore. But, but for someone who's, who's really into it it's not for them but it's something you might buy for your dad you might buy for your brother or your sister or a friend and just say look do you know what you know maybe instead of having another PCP experience with whatever you have out there because they look the same you know, you can have a bit more interest in life and save up for that holiday you want and save up for that house you want. You know, read this and it might guide you in the right direction. So that that was the principle behind the book. It was just a, another way of putting bangonomics in the title. But I just wanted to nudge people along and answer, you know, a few questions about saying, is this or isn't this bangonomics?
0: It's a great read this isn't a long book everybody there's, there's no don't be thinking that you're getting a huge bible of uh, instructions or anything but it's a, it's a great guide that goes goes through uh, its ten, it's 10 chapters and it covers some of the stuff that we've talked about tonight like you know what is it why uh, why you might do it so the basics buying uh, bangers and then you've run through a couple of the uh, different different grades of Bangonomics. Yeah. So there's the Luxo Bangonomics, and there's the classic yeah. bangers, and things like that. So in here is it is a really great, uh, really great guide. And there's also the, one of my the the, the the Bangonomic Commandments. One of my favorite chapters. That is It's yeah. great fun to run through. That. But uh, there will be a link in the show notes everybody. And I. I strongly recommend having read through this myself strongly recommend that you you go and get a copy of this if you're at all interested in bangonomics because it it, it is a great explanation obviously after you've listened to us talk about it but it's a great explanation uh, to to help you dip your toe into the bangonomic world if that is something that uh, interests you which i i think i think most of the people who listen to the show are interested in that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. I appreciate the plug.
0: No, not, no problem at all. So where, where else can people follow what you do uh, and uh, where, where should they go to?
1: Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter as Um Usually I, I, I stick to cars. You're in the full-on politics nonsense. That yeah, seems to affect Twitter the whole, the whole time. And I'm pleased to say that you do too. That uh, you, are, you are a voice of reason. Now, I recommend everybody to sign up to the motoring podcast because that is very good fun, and especially you, as crack I think you're as well. Um, I do make a regular um, YouTube videos. Some of them go down quite well, and some of them, I, I think people think I'm am mad, but I do them from my garage, and uh, I wear overalls. I wear a hat and uh, I go on about some sort of nonsense to do with cars and uh, people quite like that and obviously I'm on Bangonomics there so if you go onto YouTube and go Bangonomics you can find some of my videos in there which are quite good and I actually do the intro and outro music if you're interested uh, I don't think you can buy that anywhere, but it sounds like a, a mad heavy metal uh, experience. And apart from that, I do pop up in Her Majesty's Auto Car each week, and I have a column in there, which actually is quite uh, fun because I do get a very good response from readers uh, from that. They're all they're all about my age, and they're all sort of enjoyed buying older cars, and that's um, uh, and that's quite good fun. And people seem to like it, and I do have my fleet is featured in there. Otherwise, I do edit a magazine called uh, Free Car Man, which doesn't have very much Bangonomics at, in it at all but there's Bangonomics I, I'm doing a Bangonomics mag from, from time to time I'm, and I'm actually going to print one later this year which you will have to pay cash money for um, and that's going to be sort of a, a good old fashioned form stories about older cars but yeah if you go to bangonomics.com and you can if you want to ask me questions yes go to bangonomics.com or, or go on, on that Twitter and you can ask me questions. Uh, but everything is sort of downloadable from there. There is free stuff you can get on bayonomics.com. It's been running a long time and I've revamped it this, this, this year so it, it looks a bit sort you know, more, of more professional. But uh, yes, I'm out there. In the real world, and uh, I will answer your questions if you have
0: them. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure there's links to all those those various digital places to so people can uh, drop in and see what you're up to there. So I just leave me to say thank you so much for coming on here and helping to explain what Bangonomics is. And uh, I'm now going to rush off and look at eBay, and <laughs> <laughs> which I know my wife is really going to be delighted with. <laughs> What are you doing now? Don't do that, Andrew. Oh, no. It's all right. I've talked to an expert. It's okay. I've talked to the expert.
1: Oh, you're going to blame me then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so thanks so much for coming on here and talking to us about Bangonomics. It's been great fun, and uh, I really appreciate you giving up the time to do that. Yeah, that's a pleasure, Andrew. Always good to speak to you. Don't forget, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Muttering Podcast on Twitter and Instagram on Facebook, and via the contact page of the themotoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember our Patreon, available at motoringpodcast.com forward slash support. And please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Best way to get in touch with me is to search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter. If you would like to get in touch with Alan, who is not here this time, if you look for at AJP Bradley on Twitter, you will find him there. We'll be back before very long. Until then, I've been Andrew Clues, he's been James Ruppert and safe motoring.